0: All right, let's go ahead and have a seat. <clears throat> All right. Mm. All right, folks, we're going to just continue in worship as we uh, open up God's Word. I'm going to be in Matthew 22 today. Um, just want to show of hands, how many people have been grateful this week? All right, lots of you. Isn't it just awesome how... You start giving thanks and it kind of builds on itself. This is something deep in the heart of God that we should be grateful for all that He's done for us. And I'm glad you entered into that uh, from last week. Um, we are going to finish up Kingdom Love today. And uh, next week, we're going to start into uh, the book of James. And our series is going to be titled Let's Walk the Talk. With Jesus. James is all about um, taking our faith and living it out authentically and obediently. So, uh, and I think this morning's message will be a good segue uh, into that. Uh, Next Sunday, I want to just give you a heads up because we're doing something different next Sunday. Next Sunday, we have uh, the visit of our long serving missionaries, John and Pam Probst, who've been in Chad. They've been faithful uh, servants in Africa their entire careers. They are uh, in Chad doing some really innovative things like starting a school and starting a retreat center so missionaries can actually go to Chad and have a sustainable life there. So you're going to hear a lot of really cool stuff about the things they're doing to mobilize 72 unreached people groups in Chad. So... Normally, what we do with these is they they share briefly in Body Life, which they will do next week. Then, after the second service, they give a presentation. Then we have a meal. And that all takes till about 2.45. Well, a lot of our young families, that doesn't work. So, what we're going to do next week is we're going to have the presentation at 11 o'clock so that uh, we can have lunch immediately after and people can get home and get their kids down for a nap. So we're making that change, which means that uh, if you want to engage with the probes, uh, come and worship at 9 o'clock, take your kids to Light Bites, put them in Sunday school at 11 and go to the meeting. Got that? And then afterwards you can have lunch and then uh, head home in time to put your kids down for a nap. So for those of us who don't have young kids, uh, let's flex our schedules and flex ourselves so uh, we can also hear about the props and their work. Make sense? All clear? Okay, good. Yes, there will be lunch, yes. during this presentation. lunch during the presentation. So no lunch after. Yes. Lunch, no, lunch after. I you saying, I you saying, no, I yeah, well, no. Well, lunch well, will be served at 12.30. 12.15, 12.30. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, if you look in your programs, uh, every week on the right side, we put our missionaries there at the bottom right. So I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for the offering we just took. Thank you for the privilege we have to invest in your kingdom uh, to support uh, the things that you're doing here locally and around the world. So we lift up the propes and their mission in Chad, and we pray uh, for a strong turnout next week and an engagement with them that will encourage us in our own engagement here uh, in the city of Cincinnati. And we lift up Barry Baker and Roger Howell and the leaders at City Gospel Mission, and we pray that you would bless their work to transform lives of youth, uh, new programs, and the, uh, the expansion of existing programs. We ask that you would... Uh, do this for your glory. And we thank you for the privilege we have to know them and engage with them uh, and serve with them. And Father, as we get ready to go out next Saturday and the following Saturday, we ask for your Spirit's power on us as we put into practice all the things that we've learned so far in this kingdom love adventure. We thank you and ask you to open our hearts now and have us receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, as I said, we're finishing the series today that we've been in in Kingdom Love for 10 weeks. So you got this sheet when you came in in your program. And um, we've been doing every week, we've been doing a parable of the kingdom, and then we've been doing a tool that will help us put that into practice. So this is our tool for week 10. And... uh, for kind of a summary of the whole journey we've been on. So uh, what you've got here is what happened each of the ten weeks uh, in our series, kind of a summary. So, for example, point number one is week one. We studied the parable of the four soils. We learned that people respond to God's invitation in four different ways. They either ignore it, reject it, receive it half-heartedly, are too busy to receive it, or they receive it rightly and fully, and they produce a harvest. So we know that's going to happen when we go out to distribute packs, gospel packs for every home in our, in our postal code. We're going to get one of four responses. And some of these people may actually chase us off their street. Uh, that's okay. We're ready for that. We say, yep, thank you. God bless you. The kingdom of God, you've been close to the kingdom of God, and we shake our, shake our feet off and go to the next street. So that's the summary of what we learned. Then the bold line is a prayer. It's just a prayer for us to put into effect. And this prayer is a suggested prayer, but it says, Lord, go before us. Increase our love for everyone, and may we proclaim the kingdom. And then the italic line is some things that you can say when you're out walking around different neighborhoods. So we can say, as we learned in the first parable, may God's peace rest on you and your family. Very simple. May the peace of the Lord rest on you and your family, you and your home. Or uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's say you go into a neighborhood. Let's say somebody is limping on their way to you. Let's say they tell you they have a sore knee or a sore shoulder or whatever it might be. And you pray, and they go, wow, the pain's gone. You simply say, that's the kingdom of Jesus. It's at hand. The kingdom is at hand. So, that's for week one. And then the same formula for weeks two, three, four, all the way through. So it's a summary of our learning of that parable in the the regular line. A prayer that we can speak this week each day as we get ready to go out next Saturday. And then finally, in the italics, some things that you can consider saying. And of course, put them in your own words. But our goal is uh, to use all that we've learned to bring to this outreach the privilege we get to be the ambassadors of Jesus in our postal code. And uh, there, there's, if you're like me, there's some fear around this. Let me just name it. There's some fear around this. It's uncomfortable. It's like when you first learn to pray or pray out loud in front of somebody else. It's just uncomfortable. However, we are not going alone. We're going together, and we're going together with new mission, Missionary Baptist Church. We're going to drive to different zones in the postal code. We're going to get training at 8.30 in the morning. Uh, We're going to get 15 minutes of training and prayer. Very simple. We're going to go out together. We're going to walk the streets together. So we're not going to be alone. Uh, Also, Jesus is with us because he said, and lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Did he not? Right? So he's going to be with us. So Father, I just pray now in the name of Jesus that uh, you would take whatever fear, uh, whatever challenge we're feeling inside as we consider walking around our neighborhoods, and I pray that you would put in our hearts and in our spirits all that we've learned Uh, in this Kingdom Love series as we have studied your parables, as we have received tools, as we have been equipped. And Lord, uh, we just ask you to use us. And as we step out in faith, we ask you to go with us, give us divine appointments, and an opportunity to share the good news. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you ready? Let's dive into the last parable, okay? Matthew 22... Verses one to fourteen, and um, you know all of jesus 's parables have a a certain a certain bite to them uh, this one 's got a bit of a bite, so put your seatbelts on uh, this one 's uh, a good one to finish on and here 's the context in matthew twenty one Jesus is being attacked by the religious leaders he 's being attacked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and so <clears throat> They are challenging his authority. And then he tells three parables that really relate to these guys. The first two, the parable of the two sons and the parable of the tenants. They're not parables where he uses the formula of the kingdom of God, but they're parables. This one we're going to look at today is the third. So in a sense, uh, you could put the chapter down below uh, the end of this, but... That's the chapter divisions are not inspired by God. They're put there by people about six centuries ago. So we're continuing with uh, Jesus' teaching, and this time he's going to explain to them the consequences to them of not receiving the kingdom. That's the overall thing that he's going to do. So let's read it Matthew 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants, and he said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, And everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention. And they went off. One to his field. Another to his business. The rest seized his servants. Mistreated them. And killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers. And burned their city. Then he said to his servants. The wedding banquet is ready. How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. These are the very words of God. Father, open our minds to this parable and to all that you want to speak to us uh, in this this moment, through these words of Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the parable starts off with a wedding invitation. And we might think that this is an invitation to to the wedding banquet that is being thrown for Jesus in Revelation chapter 19. But this is not that. This is an invitation that is being given right now to the kingdom. An invitation to follow Christ and to become part of the kingdom. And the metaphor of the wedding invitation certainly has in mind the end point. But this is an invitation of a very proud father for his subjects to come and learn to love and know and celebrate with his son. And so, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but... We see wedding invitations all the time, right? When you receive a wedding invitation, um, you unwrap it. You notice how royal it usually is. It's very formal. It's got all the names of the parents and all that. And invites you to a date and a time. And it invites you to respond. And like the wedding invitation, this invitation from the king demands... A response. It demands a response. And like in our current day and age, we get wedding invitations that have some cost to them. Sometimes the wedding is in a fancy destination like Hawaii or Florida. And then you find out that you find yourself doing some math and you find out, okay, the flight is this. The clothing is going to be this. The hotel is going to be that. Got to bring a gift, and so you start doing the calculation of the cost, and you start doing the calculation of, I wonder if our relationship can handle this. If I say no, and and you're 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 weighing, you're weighing the cost. Some of these wedding invitations, uh, because it has become so socially acceptable to be lax in these things, you have the bride's mother calling you eight weeks later, hey, we haven't received your response. And if there's no response, what is the answer? The, the assumption is the answer is no, right? If there's no response, the answer is no. Well, similarly with this invitation from heaven, if there's no response, the answer is no. It's rejection. And sometimes on the RSVP they'll put at the bottom RSVP by such and such a date and they're even resorting to humor now or bring your own chair. <laughs> you know, So there's all this problem around RSVPs to wedding invitations. Well that is not a new thing because in this parable we see all the obstacles to the RSVP. And so we we learn that The king wants a decision. The king wants a decision. And so that's the same for us this morning as we think about the invitation that the king has made into his kingdom. And in this parable, we're going to learn about the way that works and about the nature of the response that is required for a proper RSVP. Now we see in the first six verses that the people that the king is inviting are hardened. They're hardened. So, uh, and it ranges from paying no attention to outright hostility. Well, Jesus earlier in Matthew chapter 13 had predicted this would be the response. And he's quoting Isaiah 6. He says, For this people's heart... Has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Now, here, Jesus, and in this parable, we see the response of the Jews. They received the invitation first, they had a negative response. Some of, obviously, the first church was mostly Jewish, but much of the Jewish people rejected the gospel. And it was predicted that they would do this because they were hardened. And very much in the same way, there are those that have become hardened to the good news. There's a church almost in every street corner here. There's a Bible in every room, in every hotel room. There's Jesus all over the internet, television, radio. And yet. Uh, I think we could say for the majority of those, at least in our nation, that this Matthew 13 description kind of fits them. Well, this is, of course, the response of the Jews and it's the response that we see in much of the developed world today. In verse 7, a very important thing happens. Grace, notice the first invitation is ignored. The second invitation is given. And then uh, there's a retaliation, a rebellion, and a murder. And then God destroys the city. This is very much a picture of what would happen. Jesus is saying this in about 30 AD. And by 70 AD, after 40 years of waiting for the Jewish people to respond to the gospel, Jesus sent... uh, God sent the Romans, to destroy the temple. The temple was no longer required because Jesus had become the temple. And so that ultimately led to the destruction of the temple. And this is the point at which the grace of God had been expired and wrath had been released. Now when servants, and sometimes we're the servants inviting people to the, to the, to the kingdom, right? Uh, When we face rejection, it's not us that they're rejecting. So Jesus in Luke 10 says this, Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me, meaning the Father. So even as we head into Saturate 45227, as we think about going out, think about people rejecting us, slamming the door on us, whatever, we can recognize that it's not us who are being rejected. It's not our technique. It's not our message. But it's the one who sent us is being rejected. Now the responses in verses 3 to 6 here range from ignoring, refusal, busyness, and outright rebellion and murder. But remember that no decision is a no decision. Let me say that again. No decision is a no decision. So unlike the polls which show X amount in favor of the Democrats and X amount in favor of the Republicans and a block in between undecided in the kingdom there's no there's no such category. We either have the category of the kingdom of Jesus or the category of the kingdom of Satan and there isn't and undecided. We may, we may feel undecided, but we are in that indecision, we are saying no to the invitation. So, uh, really, this week as I was wrestling with this, I really felt the Lord saying that what we need to focus on today is today, Amen. now. How have we responded? to the invitation of the king into the kingdom. And I was led to Hebrews chapter 4 where uh, the scripture tells us that God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So I bring this parable to this point to say that again today is the day that we are being invited to make a decision to to get out of this kingdom and move into this kingdom and we can see all kinds of responses that lead to the conclusion that the response to the king is a no. But it's also a day for Salvation and obedience as we celebrated this baptism uh, where Lauren has come to the conclusion that he died for me and I'm going to obey and follow him there was a decision to come and be baptized so today if you have not made that decision I implore you to make today the day and, if not today, very shortly, to be baptized, to take the first step that Jesus tells us to take, and it's the invitation of the King. Now, for those of us who are uh, walking with Christ, who are in the church, we also have to ask ourselves a very important question, and that is the question that comes out of uh, the parable, have we changed our clothes? Have we changed our clothes? What I mean by that is, do we remain unfazed by God's love? Do we uh, remain in a lukewarm holding pattern? Do we remain in habitual sin that essentially says, I'm going to uh, do A, B, or C? It could be gossip. It could be Pornography. It could be uh, gluttony. It could be uh, prayerlessness. It could be not reading the scriptures. It could be all kinds of things where we are essentially in a place of we're still committed to a lot of other things that have nothing to do with Jesus. And that is a massively dangerous place to be. And I believe today the Lord is calling us today to soften our hearts and move toward him in ways we've been reluctant to move towards him in the past I'm going to come back to that but after the Jews reject it when when that happens God always moves on to another people who will be fruitful for him he's moved on in a large extent in Europe today God has moved on He's, in a large extent, he's moved on from southwest Turkey where in the churches that are in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Ephesus, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, all these churches are vanished. The only church that remains there is Smyrna. It's the only place where there's a church still worshiping today. He moves on. And he's moving in Latin America, in Asia, and in Africa. Most of us, when we were born, even the, those that are 30-ish here, when you were born, 80% of the church was in Europe and North America. Today, 80% of the church is in Latin America, Africa, and Asia. There's been a worldwide harvest of people in those countries, in those continents, and there's been a significant falling behind of the percentage of Christians in Europe as the total population, and a percentage of Christians even in North America is moving in the same direction as Europe. And that's the same as the Bible pattern. In uh, Acts 13, we read, Paul and Barnabas are speaking to the Jews in the synagogue and they said, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Western Europe and North America, if you no longer consider yourself worthy of eternal life, we will now turn to Latin America, Asia, and Africa. But the good news is is that God doesn't quit. God doesn't quit. And so we read in verses 8 to 10 that he issues new orders to his servants to go out everywhere. And we see that Jesus loves to invite the good people and the bad people to the kingdom. He loves to invite good people who have come to believe that being a good person is what God wants. And they are also drastically mistaken. They need to leave that gospel and come to the gospel of the good people who need the blood of Jesus to cover their sin. Likewise he loves to take the bad people and offer them the gospel and have them come to grips with the fact that I'm a sinner. I'm selfish. I'm bad. And they receive the blood of Christ as payment for their sin. So Jesus is the Father is inviting all these people to Jesus, good and bad. And that is the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of the Father for the outsider. So we looked at this when we started this series 10 weeks ago. I'm going to repeat this passage from Matthew 9, verses 10 to 13. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit, and they lit into Jesus' followers, what kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus overhearing shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not to coddle insiders. So Jesus is opening the door to this radical grace that is that is needed by the good person. It's needed by the bad person. The only way is to receive the invitation the way it has been issued. And Jesus loves to challenge and here's what he says there I'm after mercy not religion Amen. he is looking for people who will receive his mercy the mercy given by him on the cross yes. and he does not want religion he does not want churchgoers. he does not want good people who think they're good people he wants people who have received the invitation yes. Yes. to receive the blood of Christ in payment for their sin so that they can walk with Him out of His mercy, out of His goodness. And there is one requirement that is always required in receiving this invitation in the RSVP. It is an authentic response of repentance, turning from our sin, and a pattern of obedience manifested in a changed life. Uh, We see here in verses Uh, 11 to 13. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. You see, when a king in this day and age back here and where these words were spoken, invited people to his son's wedding, the invitation would also include a set of clothes. Because if the king was a good king, he would know that most of his subjects were farmers, and they didn't wear nice clothes. They were working outdoors all the time, and they might have had one cloak. So typically, the king would issue the invitation, and he would provide the clothes. Do you know that Jesus and his father have extended exactly the same invitation? Because all through the scriptures, we read, that obedience to the commands of Christ, that the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, enables us to actually be people who have love, who have joy, who have peace, who have patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control because God has given the Holy Spirit to allow us, to enable us, to empower us To change our clothes, our character, our behavior, our attitudes, so that Paul will constantly emphasize in here, put off the old. Put off all the old stuff associated with your life in the kingdom of Satan and put on instead the character of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So an authentic response will involve repentance. It will involve putting off that stuff and putting on this stuff. Not by our power, but by the Spirit's power. So if I have... Well, when I was first introduced to Jesus and received Jesus as my Savior, I had a wicked tongue. And I needed God to change my tongue. And I went on cussing here and there several months, and it's a process, but I eventually put off the tongue and put on the words of Christ, the words, the the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Likewise, in all other categories of our lives. So if we're in that process, we're going to be changing our clothes. And people who know us are going to say, What what happened to you? And if nobody's noticing any difference, then you really have to ask yourself the question: Did you really, did you really respond to this invitation, or did you respond to, or did you do something else? And you can write back on the wedding invitation that said Dennis, and nobody else. You write back, yeah, I'm going to bring my girlfriend and her three kids. You know, that's not a satisfactory response to the invitation. It didn't say Dennis plus four. It said Dennis. Likewise, there is an invitation response that God expects in repentance and life change. So, how did you get in here without clothes, my friend? You don't have the right clothes. There's no obedience. There's no transformation. There's no repentance in your life. And the man was speechless. Why? Because he had his own gospel. He had his own deal. Oh, I know the king. The king's a good man. The man upstairs, he's a good guy. He'll just, you know, let me in. He'll show up and I'll show up whatever way I want. But no. But no. There is a response required. And so the cost of rejecting the king is eternal separation from all that is good. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, was asked if he believed all that stuff about Jesus' discussion of hell and you know, if he believed all about the fire and the weeping and gnashing of teeth and um, Keller said yeah and I actually think it's going to be a whole lot worse than that because imagine separation from Christ is separation from everything good separation from love for eternity so that means daily anger violence betrayal daily Daily selfishness by everybody around you and yourself. Nobody getting anything that they need. Nobody getting anything that they want. Constantly being tantalized and punished and turned and betrayed. And think about that. That is a sickening, sickening possibility, which should awaken in all of us who have not answered the question and not responded to the invitation clearly with a repentant yes and gratitude. But also for all of us who have responded to that invitation, it should ramp up the stakes of what we're doing when we bring the gospel to our postal code. It should ramp up the stakes of our family members it sh- that, that don't know Christ. It should ramp up the stakes of our co-workers who don't know Christ. It should make us bold not because we're great evangelists, but because we love people. We actually love people who are heading into that oblivion. And so Jesus' uh, teaching is emphasized over and over by the apostles. Let's just look at Second Peter. And he said, in response to the fact that many are invited and few are chosen, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election your chosenness. For if you do these things, and he had just run down the things that are the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the transformation of your heart, do those things, you will never stumble. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, You now have as much of God as you really want. So if once a month worshiping with other Christians is enough then you have as much of God as you want or twice a month. If not having a small group is okay then you have as much of God as you really want. If you don't find yourself reading the Bible or praying or if you don't find yourself on a serving team then you now have as much of God as you really want. Because we encounter Christ in the Word. We encounter Christ in service. We encounter Christ in corporate worship. We encounter Christ in our small groups. We encounter Christ when we spend time alone with Him in prayer. And if you want more, it's awesomely easy. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, and you will receive you will find, and the door will be opened. So it's simply a matter of asking. So the summary of this parable, I believe, from Jesus is this. Leave no doubt. Leave no doubt as to how you answered the RSVP. Leave no doubt as to how you walk with God and how you go for all that he has for you leave no doubt. So the worship team is going to come up and uh, we're going to spend our last few minutes together worshiping. We're going to have a couple of prayer teams and um, I want to really emphasize today is the day. (laughs) Today is the day that this parable has been spoken that God's invitation has come So if you've never responded to this invitation or you haven't responded in the proper fashion, then today Jesus is inviting you to respond. And if that's you, I'm going to stand up here and I'll be willing to meet with you and pray with you here to make your calling sure. You may have some things that the Holy Spirit has touched on during this message Go to the prayer teams. Uh, go to the prayer teams and receive prayer. It may be that there is just a point in your life where you need to make Jesus absolutely first and you need to get rid of noise and sin in your life. Then you can come up and kneel here and just ask him to take it away and turn from it and make your response absolutely crystal clear however god's working in your heart right now just encourage you you can pray silently where you are you can kneel if you wish you can kneel up here you can go to the prayer prayer people but give god your honest response to the invitation that he has issued today father uh, we thank you for your word we thank you that it is crystal clear we thank you lord that You don't shy away from the things that matter most to you. And we trust, God, that you are able to touch each and every one of us today precisely where we need it. So, Lord, we offer you this time, this worship, for your glory. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer teams, you can come on up.